Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. In this episode, I have a conversation with Jordan Harrison, a very, very special young black man who is a graduate of Harvard University. He has so much to share with you and me, things we need to learn as privileged white people. We need to do more than care. We need to do more than protest. We need to understand the facts and the realities of what life is like in this country for black people. And we need to know and understand so that we can be part of the change that absolutely must happen now. Thank you for being here, my name is Nene White, and I am so glad that you are here. Jordan, thank you. Thank you so thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here today. Uh, the last time you and I talked a few days ago, I asked you how you were doing with all of this since George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard you so depleted. I've never heard you like that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a it's been a tough season. It's been a very tough season. I think it's been overwhelming, exhausting. Um and still having to get up every day, uh, and just—it's just been—it's—it's—it's wearing, it's wearing, wearisome in some ways. And all I can do is imagine you and I, in some ways, are on the opposite end of this whole experience, and I don't want to be yeah. on the opposite end of that with you, Jordan. Yeah. You yeah. know that my heart is connected to all that you care about, but my mind. I have been oblivious, and I want us to have a conversation about that. And I want you to help me to know what I don't even know to ask about. And I don't want yeah, to put all yeah. of that in your lap. No problem. But no I need problem. your help. And, yeah. and other privileged white people like me need to wake up and not just hear how bad it is. And not just say Black Lives Matter, but to know how they haven't mattered until now. And it's got to change. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Completely agree with you and glad to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't think of anyone I'd rather have this conversation with. Where should we start, Jordan? Wherever, wherever you would like. Uh, if you want to start in just the feeling of exhaustion, you know, we, we can start here. Um, I was doing uh, an interview for a church service earlier last week, and the pastor had asked me on it. He was like, I feel like a lot of Black people feel, he's like, it's confusing to some white people why so many Black people feel like they take this so personally. And so maybe I could start with like the entry point of for, and I can't speak for the the general Black population, Mm -hmm. but in in my lived experience and folks that I know, Mm There's a certain level of exhaustion from just a history mm-hmm. of of seeing of seeing this pain, of feeling this pain, of having moments where we were close to or could have been yeah. uh, George Floyd in so many moments. And I think, even for myself, I haven't even watched the video yet because not yet. I don't plan on it because it's it's become so um, commercialized in a way where it's like we almost are so. Um, used to seeing so many black people dying and and for me I couldn't bring myself to watching the George Floyd I've seen certain clips of it or certain parts of it but I I haven't 
watch the whole thing. Uh, whenever it comes up, I put my, my thumb over it because I, I just can't even stand to continue to see these things here in, uh, in America. I can imagine that. And I hadn't watched it until about an hour ago. Yeah. yeah. But I felt that it was my responsibility to this conversation to watch it. Yeah. Just yeah. as I have felt the responsibility for the last few days to get as much knowledge as I have never felt the responsibility to do before. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that's such an important starting point um, because I, you know, when I was talking with um, some folks over the past couple of weeks, just with different people and different things on this, um, some folks, particularly like white people feel a very amount sense of guilt, but it's a type of guilt that immobilizes people. And I think, um, it's important to um, understand that those feelings are real and valid. However, especially in a time like now, exactly like what you're doing, going and doing research, understanding how some of the systems or things that are in place mm -hmm. that have caused some of the, the inequities that we see every single day, like how they are continuing to being exacerbated and real every single day is so important to do. And that's one of my, the first asks I always have folks is like, you can feel guilty. Like that's okay, that's there, <laughs> but it has to be turned into something that's productive um, because especially in a time like now um, and going forward, it's, it's folks that can be active allies and co-conspirators to making sure that progress can actually occur. Exactly. And we'll say co-creators instead of co-conspirators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but thank you, yes, for making that point. Actually, I, I don't feel guilty. I didn't even, because I know that I didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah, but, yeah. But... Do I feel guilty that I have privileges and, and black people do not? I didn't even know enough to have that. I thought that my caring and my compassion was enough. Oh, no, yeah. it's not enough. Yeah. It yeah. is so. Yeah. And, and I heard that occasionally in, from black people that, you know, I'd see on YouTube or if, different interviews. But I was always left with, but what? What can I do? What, what? Nobody ever told me what I had to learn. I heard yeah. that, you know, housing discrimination. I heard uh, uh, in uh, educational, um, uh, education is underserved. And I heard yeah. all these things, but now I have unpacked quite a bit of it. Is there anything specifically mm -hmm. that you want to address in that? Because before those, until... I am grandmother age, Jordan, and until yeah, George yeah. Floyd, those yeah. terms were all very abstract, and I had, they have to be spelled out for people like me, so I, that's what I yeah. need to do in this conversation, Jordan. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough. That's, that's almost like a whole class to go through so much, because um, there's so many different angles you can look at Absolutely. it from, like you mentioned, from education to housing to uh, healthcare to um wealth, the criminal justice, so many things. And I think I'll, I'll just start in with. Um, with what? Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll speak with particularly my entry point, which is through yes. um, education. And yes, and let me just say that, you know, I think that we could absolutely extend this conversation yeah. or maybe even make educational materials. I mean, there are so many things that I think that we could do with this. This is a starting point. Yeah. So yes, let's focus in on one so it doesn't go abstract. None of these points need to be, they need to be 
sharp focus from now on. Yeah. So yeah. yes, sharply focus in on what you know because yeah. I know you're highly effective with the kids. Yeah. That you do. Yes. Good. So, good. Let's go there. So I love work with education, and I'll start with um, a study that Yale did about three or four years ago. I think it was 2016 or 2017, and they did a study where they brought in preschool teachers, um, preschool through I think it's like fifth grade, grade school. And they brought them in and they had four students in front of them um, that they were watching. Um, two were white and they just told them, hey, we need you all to look for like problem behavior. And what they found was, and most of the teachers were reflective of our education system, which is primarily white women. And what they mm -hmm. found was they were actually looking for where their eyes were going. So that the, the participants came in thinking that they were just looking for behavior and they were just trying to point mm -hmm. things out. But what they were actually measuring is where does their eye go? And mm. what they found was that 42% of the time, over 40% of the time, their eyes automatically went to the black male student. And, mm. and, and we're talking about as early as like preschool, grade school, that teachers unconsciously might be already looking for how black males or black students might already be acting out. And so the reason I bring that up, and that goes into larger preschool to prison pipeline, but I'm not going to go there, but how, yeah. how you know, in education, uh, let me let me make sure I get these statistics right. In education, um, black students are three times more likely to be suspended. Um, and once they yeah. are in the criminal justice system, they're 18 times more likely to be tried as an adult than uh, their white counterparts. And black children make up about 50% of the suspensions. And so it's just interesting the over the expectation that almost undergirds black youth. Um, there's this, there's a certain descriptions that we apply on black students. One is a description of criminality, which is we assume black students might already be bad. And that was shown in like the Yale study as early as grade school, teachers are already looking for what is the black student doing? Are they doing something bad? And that also plays into an description of intelligence where we might mm -hmm. think that a student like for me, I got tested for gate testing, right? Gifted and talented education. But when I got mm -hmm. to the test, they told me, oh no, this was a mistake. Like you shouldn't be here. Um, and I remember going back once to they class. saw your color. Yeah, or what? well, well, that's what I wasn't sure about when I went to the class. Uh, the teacher said an offhanded comment to me. She was like, "Oh, it's okay. Most of our black students aren't in gate anyway." And I was like, uh "Oh, okay." So then now I'm believing that black students just don't aren't supposed to be in gate. Um, and so it's just interesting how some of those subconscious things really impact our education. Only two percent mm -hmm. of our teaching population are, are identified as black men, um, mm -hmm. and so we have to do work there. And I think. To your point of then what does allyship look like in this? I think it's really important to think about how are we making sure we're building equitable schools for our students, um, whether they're your kids or someone else's kids. Um, how are we making sure that the practices, particularly around like suspension and expulsion, aren't overexpelling over or suspending our students of color? Um, and it's really being an active ally. I think one of the things I'm always talking about with people is what this moment's causing non-Black people to do, because I think this is a Black, Brown, White, all of us issue to, to engage with, is it's mm -hmm. making us really expand our circle of empathy and really figuring out, like you were saying, not just what empathy feels like, but what does it mean to be a, a co-creator in the work of saying, how do I help this burden go down a little bit more um, for mm -hmm. some of our students? And how do I catch my uh, implicit biases, I think is the term mm -hmm. now, or mm -hmm. my unconscious. I mean, I was talking to someone today who is probably the most good hearted person I know. Yeah. 
yeah. both of her children uh, she 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 was brought up in a completely um open-minded family that would that did good acts was yeah. completely unbiased both of her children she's white both of her children are have black spouses they went down to belize and she was just telling me this today because i was uh wanting to get ready to talk to you in the most um uh, beneficial way for for this conversation and for everyone who's listening and she was telling me we were talking about unconscious biases and she went yeah. down to belize and she was surprised to see how much the citizens down there valued education. Yeah, yeah. And, and she was mortified that she was surprised. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of just it seeps into the cracks of our awareness mm -hmm. that we have to get conscious about. And this is where I think we have to... I hate to say fight the battle because that's too, you know, no, but it, we it have is. to, what? Well, it, it is a battle, I think, that we have to choose to fight every day. And I, and I think, here's one thing I tell people, you might, you aren't responsible in some ways for how you were socialized, but it is your responsibility right. to learn stuff or unlearn stuff. And, right. and one of the things, especially when we talk about unconscious bias, we can talk yes. about, I'm speaking from a very American westernized lens, is how we unconscious it's so it's so subtle how we understand some things but for example yes. when we think about the color white versus black we associate with white things like weddings um birth um happiness like a bright white light is usually a good thing um right. but if you hear the word black or dark you might associate death a tunnel bad things and then that goes into some of like our movies where oftentimes right. african-american actors are the thugs or the criminals or different things. And so part of it's unlearning some of those things because some of it is like how we're socialized is I only saw, if, if you only saw black people in your American movies that you watched, very few of them would actually put African-Americans in a positive light. And you would think, oh, I do need to clutch my purse or oh, I do think right. they're thugs or maybe they do have a gun. And so those unconscious things is, is a battle we have to fight every single day because yes. how we're socialized we might even just that those unconscious thoughts of, oh, they're black, like maybe I should be scared. And and um, and I'll tell you one way it impacts me as well is I understand as a black man that folks, whether they want to or have interrogated or haven't interrogated their unconscious bias, it impacts mm -hmm. me heavily how I ha how much awareness I need to bring into any space I go into. A quick example, if I go into a space and there's um, primarily like white women in the space or it's mixed or there's just stuff like there's not too many African-Americans in there, or, even if there are, I am very careful to notice where people put their purses at so I don't go too close. Particularly because I feel, and I've had experiences where if something goes missing, people are gonna look at me. And um, and it's just, it's, it's interesting. And I can tell you another experience of just, um, when I was, you know, I went to grad school at Harvard and I, and I was, I was out with a friend one on day. On a scholarship. Yeah. On a scholarship. Yeah. I had a full ride over at Harvard right. and I was out with a friend one day. We were just at, at a dinner spot grabbing, grabbing some food and a white woman walks up to me and asked me if I had any cocaine. Now, I, oh. I can't, I, I don't know how to ascribe a meaning to that moment, but it was so frustrating because this was another gentleman who was a black male, but went to Harvard as well. And we were over in the Boston area and a white woman walks up to both of us and asks us, if we had cocaine and didn't ask that to anyone else. And, and in the back of our minds, we're like, we can only help but think, I wonder if she saw our skin first and said, 
these would probably be the guys that would have some cocaine to give me today. Mm-hmm. And and that's the type of frustration where it's just like, yo, I'm I'm just out here chilling with my boy, having a good time. We're actually talking about education, how we want to develop a greater education system. And someone mm-hmm. comes over and asks me for cocaine. I'm like, come on. That's not even what I'm here doing. Wow. And I never have. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I hate that. I hate that. I have to tell you. Um, thank you. I wanted to hear some personal stories of yours because it's like, that is just so shocking. I am, when I put this podcast on Facebook and share it with people, I'm going to share a picture of you because you are such a bright light and such Thank a you. gentleman and yeah. you just exude all positive qualities. Yes, and, and so some people could only see the color of your skin, yeah. only see how much melanin is in your skin compared to someone else's skin yeah. is, you know, we may never get past that. There is just a possibility that we will never get past that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I am so sorry, but I want to do everything possible to just, and I know that the people who are listening to this podcast want to educate their students to get, make sure their attention never goes there. Yeah. Never, never could jump there. Yeah. Um, any other experiences or whatever? Yeah. I mean, so, so many of them, I think it's just, it's, it's a constant awareness that I have to go over. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, particularly at night, uh, particularly women cross the street if I'm walking a certain way. And sometimes I'll cross the street before just in case. Um, oh. I mean, just, you know, even my father, um, he um, fit the description of a criminal that they were looking for in Chicago and 50 cop cars pulled up on him and hog tied him and threw him in jail. Um, and I think for me, even even at my university, shall I leave unnamed, um, when I was at my university, at, ooh, when I was at my university, um, when a crime would happen on campus, um, they would oftentimes leave the description just saying an African-American male. Um, right. Probably on my campus, I probably fit the description every single time. So I walked around feeling like I was a criminal and got stopped by the police a lot, asking me, did I know about this? Did I do this? Because the only descriptions that they were given and people had was African-American male. And I was staying late on campus studying at my undergraduate institution. And it, it, it just sucked because it felt like no matter where I went in the world, there was always this assumption of criminality. And, and sadly, in many of the ways that I have to walk in the world, it is this it is oftentimes entering a space, having think having the thought that most people probably think the worst thing they think about black men when I walk into a space. And I need to prepare myself for that and do everything I can to kind of dress in a way that they feel is acceptable. And, and it and it's a it's a real it's a real thing I'm I'm constantly conscious of. Anytime I go into a space, I'm I'm mindful of okay, what's the suit I wear? Is my hair low enough? Uh, make sure I use, you know, a type of vernacular that doesn't make it seem like, oh, you're uneducated and different things like that. And so it's just a complexity of being because if 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 a black person um, speaks in like African-American vernacular or if right. they aren't dressed to a T, then the assumptions of the criminal, all those other things imply. And it's interesting because most black people just want to be right. Um, and it's just like, why is it so hard for African-Americans just to be able to exist in their blackness? Um, and part of that's because the times that we do it, we are placed in jail. We are told that we're thugs or we're just told to get out of the way. And so it's, 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 it's challenging. Um, and it's the reality that faced every single day during this time before it. And unfortunately, it's probably going to be after it as well. 
but we're going to chip away at this. I, I never knew this. I never knew this about you. I never would have assumed it. I was so clueless. Yeah. I, I just never would have gone there about, I just thought it was certain people that I didn't cross path with paths with. And now it's you, Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 This is really hitting home. What, do you see, I've been talking, I have uh, one podcast already up about a, a preschool teacher that is working with toddlers mm-hmm. and two and a half and three-year-olds and four-year-olds where he's getting them past, you know, the binary world of black, white, mm-hmm. you know, this or that kind of thinking, which is crucial. Yeah. And cr- they're giving him critical thinking. Well, I know you don't so much work with little kids. I know you work with high school kids and help them to be self-sufficiently self-motivated and not victim mentality and all of that's very important. Do you have any suggestions for, you know, the, the, the population that I represent, give us something that we can, an attitude an action that we can do right now, if that's possible. Is it? Yeah. And I actually have a lot of resources like articles or different things that I can send you. Um, yes, please. A list that I can send you to, to share with your listeners. I think yes. one of the first things that people are cautious of is like, when is it too early to talk with my young person about race? And like research studies right. show that like young folks are internalizing and understanding race at a very young age. Yes. Um, and so it's not something now there now with that though, there also are age appropriate conversations to have with them. I mean, Sesame street just did a conversation about race, uh, yes. which is great for it to have. I think the orientation that folks need to have with it is is to have it first when 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 people are younger i think it's first having that conversation of just acknowledging difference and being in community with it where possible and if possible but not as a strategic motive but i think one of the things that i've realized is that proximity can build empathy but a distance breeds suspicion and so mm-hmm. i think one of the things to be conscious of is like how can i make sure that my student or my child is having a reflective experience of um, a diverse America. So that, that doesn't mean though, go find a black family and make them your best friend or anything like that. Right. But thinking about are there intentional experiences that I can take my child to if there's an African American museum around if there's like some type of music or a like, like a Sesame Street show you can so- show someone I think it's gradually giving um, an orientation and creating a home environment where diversity is celebrated. And so part of that too, right. is also thinking about what are the subtle messages that you are saying in your home that your young child might be internalizing even at a young age? Um, So how do you other, or how might you be othering black communities, other communities that just don't look like your home? Um, How are you doing that? Because your child's gonna internalize that. And so if you're at home saying messages like, uh, those black people out there again, rioting with their guns or stuff like that, or if if there's language that just makes it very clear that the other group is stupid or thugs or anything that's not welcoming, then that can be internalized in your in your uh, in your child. Absolutely. And 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 I think you should, I feel like you, know, you do this you do this as well. It's just the type of messages also too that we circulate that we just put around them. Like it just says celebrating diversity, we honor difference. Like black is beautiful. Just different things um, to to let them know that difference isn't something we need to be disgusted by. It's something that we could truly celebrate. Um, and be in community with. Or, you know, what are you afraid of? I mean, fine, keep on being white. Don't adopt any of it. But what are you afraid of? I mean, I think 
the world would be so boring. I lived in uh, uh, Mill Valley, which is white as white can be. And yes. So boring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just not interesting. So, yeah. you know, I would go over to the East Bay and, and it's just like it's just more interesting. There's more variety. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have to, yeah, do anything more than that than just enjoy the variety. I mean, don't people, yeah. in, but you know, that's me. Nobody has to be like me either. Right. But, right. But to, to resent or fear or block out differences that is so counterproductive to what's going to evolve all of us together oh Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get too philosophical i'm sorry (laughs) it's just (laughs) yeah yeah but i appreciate what you're saying just normalize it by by having experiences that bring Mm -hmm. kids into museums or uh cultural events that just normalize the differences of humanity. Yeah. yeah. And, and celebrate them. Like, I think, you know, mm-hmm. we have, like you were saying, we have so many beautiful cultures, foods, activities that talk about the beauty of, of difference. And it's something to yeah. be celebrated. Like, I, I don't know about you, Nini, but if, if we just had hot dogs to eat, it would, I would, I would, I would hate it. I love diversity. <laughs> I want to get Asian food and soul yep. food and and and, yep. and and but part of that celebrating that just it's, it's it's part of the beauty of who we are as humanity, and one of the things, especially in the social justice world, that we talk about because I, I think people also need to know black people are not against white people. This isn't right. a we want right. the end of white people. It's like hey, right. there has been systemic racism, slavery, things that have happened that we can't deny. And we're at a place where we need to say, like, hey, let's right some of the wrongs historically and now, and let's build a system where we can all do well together. And one of the things that we say in the kind of social justice world is the understanding that um, in the African, in the, in the Black culture, we use the word Ubuntu, which is I am because you are. Um, but in the social justice world, we talk about my humanity is bound with yours. And I yes. think one of the most important things we have to realize as a collective is that we can only go as far as our most vulnerable populations. And right yeah. now, what we're hi- what's being highlighted is the vulnerabilities and the inequities that the Black community in America is, is experiencing. And if we can have a heart posture where we understood and we just have a heart posture of just like, hey, my humanity is bound up with our African-American brothers and sisters here. Like, what, how, what would that do for us in terms of a lens, in terms of understanding I can do something for them? And, and I think that that's part of the heart posture that we can work on developing, a kind of understanding that, you know, our humanities are really bound together. And the ways that we can truly grow out of this and into new things is really working together, coming together and understanding that there might have to be some sacrifices, challenges, reimagining. But we have the ability to create something that's really could be equitable and just for everyone. Yeah. And um, I wonder what you mean by sacrifices, because all I see is uh, growth and expansion so what do you mean by exactly? Yeah. So so I guess I guess particularly when you're talking about what white people can do in this in this time and in this, this day and age in America, I think I'm I'm very critical of of calls of easy unity that just says we need to come together. And for me, I think about um, unity oftentimes means like if you really think about it, it really might mean having to give up to be unified with someone else. And particularly like that just might be an ask of having to give up your time like you're doing to, to read a book or to mm-hmm. serve somewhere. It might be resources if you donate to like the NAACP or some other type of organizations. Like that's the type of unity where um, oftentimes love is a sacrifice. 
And this is a time where it might be a sacrificial love white non-Black people might need to do to be in solidarity with uh, the Black community. And so sometimes unity might mean sacrifice or having to give up something so that someone else can improve and move forward in their life. I mean, these last four days that I have just, you know, all I could make myself do, even though I have a hundred other things to do, all I could do was just go to one more video and read one more thing and learn one more dimension of, and to me, that wasn't the sacrifice, but I know that I'm in an unusual position where I could just take that time or maybe I couldn't, but I did anyway. And I feel so enriched. So well, I, I think, ahead. I think too, I'm sorry. I think too, what a sacrifice might also might be is I think particularly with white people that are in spaces where it might just be predominantly white people, the sacrifice yeah. might be calling someone out or calling someone in. If they mm-hmm. say something that might be a mi- microaggression or a joke, that could be a harmful yeah. thing to hold. And so when I think about sacrifice, it also might sometimes mean be being complicit by being silent because you really love your friends. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. maybe the sacrifice might be, Hey, I realize I've been in communities or been with some folks. I'm not saying every white person's racist because they, they might not, they, they might not be, but the sacrifice of stepping into a place where, hey, I might need to call out some of my friends for saying some things that are harmful and hurtful. And that might be a sacrifice of one's reputation, just being the cool person. Now you're the annoying person. Um, yeah. But that's what, that's what it might be calling to do. Um, yeah. Once, like you're saying, like once you once people are reading and understanding things, it's about time to to educate folks and to make sure that we could uh, really all do better. Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, my father was a total bigot. He was totally prejudiced. It was it was awful, and he yeah. in every other way, he was a fascinating and wonderful and marvelous human being. But yeah. I would just I would just walk away from him when I was in a car I would just get out of the car and I was like six years old I remember one time and just found my way home I couldn't be around it it was so ugly yeah so yeah, yeah but that's like super emotional and somehow or another I want people do you have any I don't know if you'd be the right one to ask you know that there's just a way to communicate to people who may be doing it unconsciously or just knee-jerk where they just you know say things and and spout off things that they don't really if they really self-examined i wonder mm-hmm. how we could get people to turn around their attention and their do you have any ideas about yeah, that yeah well i i think there might be some spaces where um white folks get together to do the work or or allies mm. get together to do the work like in san mm. diego for example where i'm at we have a space called surge which is showing up for racial justice and they will actually walk people through um, a process of just unlearning and learning what type mm. of prejudices or biases that you hold and you do it in community with folks that are trying mm. to do better together. I think one of the challenges with um, those thoughts and different things is there's not many safe places where you can openly say, I was thinking this and I don't know. Like, I, I think one thing I'm very careful of in this time is there's a lot of people who just don't know. And I don't fault people for knowing but people do need to find either others or organizations where they can interrogate those thoughts and get feedback on them. Because right. if the people in your community don't know any better, okay, that's cool, but we need to find folks where we can be held accountable or at least know, okay, that's a problematic thought. We need to unlearn that. We need to redo that. I'll yeah. offer myself. I think organizations like Surge, 
Teaching Tolerance is a great organization that helps with just resources and things like that. But I think it's right. it's really important to do that with people who um, can hold can hold people accountable because we don't yeah. know what we don't know. And you might think I thought exactly. saying all black people were athletes and amazing athletes is actually a compliment. Right. Well, right. it also can be very singular if you because if, it, it perpetuates an idea that black people can only be like used for entertainment and not other things. And so it's it's just yeah. some some subtle things. Um, that people need to do. And I think I would caution folks not to overly rely on people of color or black folks in it. Um, some black yes. people don't have a lot of energy or they would just show up tell you like, yo, this is my lived experience, go pick up a book. And right. so as people right. go out to say, be careful not to overly rely on black people. Yes. Um, I, I've but, heard yeah. that before and I think that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, some are very exhausted. I think God's mm-hmm. blessed me with a very uh, large capacity for patience. Um, and so I don't mind walking along people for a longer mile. I do have a kind of, all right, I'm tired of this, but I, I really uh, can walk alongside people and have patience. And I'll take the ignorant questions, the questions you don't feel comfortable asking others. Like, I'm here for that. But a lot of people um, aren't. Um, and it's not yeah. their fault. They're just no. tired. Um, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. No, yeah. I totally respect that. I didn't understand it at first. But this is this is real work. And I think that the mm-hmm. sacrifice that I personally, I wouldn't consider it a sacrifice, but I understand why you use that word is because it is a shift that requires yeah. energy. It requires yeah. intention. It yeah. requires courage. It right. requires um, uh, courage to be let go of who you thought you were, what you thought you were, yeah. Yeah. your own vulnerabilities as a yeah. white person, as a privileged person, yeah. and to find out what a jerk we've all been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. We've just been insensitive. And so, are yeah. you, you must be familiar with Jane Elliott's work. Very much so. Yep. The blue eyes. Oh yes, my yes. God. Yes. I mean, she's, if a person doesn't look at anything else to watch her exercises to get people to em- empathize yeah. with, with yeah. the situation that you live since you were born. Yeah. yeah. And <sighs> so... Uh, and, go ahead. And, uh, there's just so much work to be done because like, as you were saying so with much. people, um, it's, it's really hard work. I think to your point of, especially the older you are, I think it might be harder to get because I think sometimes we're, we'll internalize it and we'll be like, am I a bad person? Like, am I a racist? And like I said in the beginning, you can't be faulted for how you were socialized. Okay. But when you come to knowledge, you need to do something about it. And that's really hard. Because when you start understanding some of the depths and the breadths and the systematic oppression, you'll be like, this is horrible. Like, how did I not know this? And then you can blame education system, all these other things that don't really teach um, some of these important- What was that word? You could what? Uh, Buy a what? I, I, don't, I don't remember what I said. A magication thing? What? Oh, I don't remember what I said. You just said it though. I'm drawing a blank. I'm trying to blank. <laughs> I'm trying to blank. Um, well, I didn't quite understand the word. Darn it. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. But, That's okay. But I would just I would just say that you know if if they don't learn it in, if they don't learn it in education because they didn't teach us oh, to oh, it right um, that that might be it's it's hard um, you know in a very candid way my partner um, had a lot of work to do it and it changed her whole life um, because she thought she was a good person it wasn't that she wasn't a good person at all. It was just right. that, oh, this expands my whole view of everything. And now you're able to see things. It's kind of like the Matrix. You're kind of like, wow, like right. these things have been going on the whole time. Right. Um, and and it's, it's subtle things. Like when I do a speech on bias, sometimes I'll start with, um, if I said, a, when I said a doc, I'll say the words like doctor and nurse. 
And then afterwards, I'll ask people, how many of you all thought of a man when I said doctor? And how many of you all thought of woman when I said a nurse? Right. Right. And that's a very simple way of how unconscious bias is is in our life, but also harmful. Um, Another example I use is um, I talk about this idea of just right hand bias. Um, If you were in school, you know, a lot of those desks, especially the half desk, they're made for Mm -hmm. right hand students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you were ever right-handed and you got on a left-hand desk, you would be frustrated. Your arm would be up in the air. You'd be like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at kind of America and some of the systems and why Black folks are so mad, it's because mm-hmm. Black people are, in some ways, left-handed trying to write in a right-handed desk. Right. And that is kind of some of the challenges um, that go with it. And it's not, it, it's, it's not like someone's fault or it's not that it's mad. It's just acknowledging that there was a structure made that wasn't made with Black folks' best interests in mind. Right. And what I always, always love about you, Jordan, is, is that you're never, ever, ever in blame mode or victim mentality. Yeah. You never go there. Yeah. And that is so, you know, so important if we're going to move forward, because that's all we need to do. We just don't need to blame. We just need to move forward. And right. um, thank you. Thank you for always emphasizing that. Of yeah. course. Yeah, I, I think I think there's that definitely there's that there's that careful balance between acknowledging and blaming. Exactly. Um, I think it's very important for us to acknowledge the things that exist, but when it comes to like blaming in the sense of like, this is like, okay, let's acknowledge this. Let's find a solution, work towards it together. And then yeah. let's move on. Um, yeah. We've, we've been through this conversations and these, these things too many times. I'm just like, we've acknowledged and we know some of the things that are, that are trying. Um, let's push forward um, because lives really do depend on it even quality of life, even yeah. if it's not life or death, it's quality of life that you yeah. have to live with that stress. Just, okay. That you described earlier, that just yeah. makes me sick. That's yeah. just, that's just, yeah. it's just so unacceptable. And it's, it's a shortcoming to everybody. Just as you said, you know, that these um, injustices are happening to everybody. Even if, if I'm the white woman in that room with my purse that I moved, I'm actually losing much of what you are because I've, I've silently accused you of being a thug. Yeah. And so that shrinks you. And so that shrinks the whole interaction between us. Yeah. And, and honestly too, like, it's funny. I, I thought about that, that when you said it, because it's yeah. a, it's a it's a experience I've had way too many times, and oh. um, in my mind I just think like here here we go another space where I'm not really welcome at, and everyone thinks mm-hmm. I'm gonna steal something. And so I'm like you know, it's it all of a sudden the room becomes that much smaller, and I need to find yeah. either a, a safe corner or a neutral space where something goes missing or like no one can accuse me of anything. And so um, it's 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 that's real. That's definitely a real. That's definitely real, and uh, it's it's something we're definitely all having to, to work towards because I I'll tell you the last two weeks have been exhausting um, and you know still trying to find to find joy and and hope in the sense of all of it my grandfather's the one who was always able to, to stay joyful so I was like I need to emulate him in the way that he was able to live God, I mean I'm gonna have to sit with this conversation for a while because there's a part of me that cannot believe what you just said because you are such a stellar human being. I appreciate it. Well, you are. And that that could be your experience. I mean, honestly, I mean, I believe the words, but it's, it's, it's having to filter down into me to actually own it, that that's a fact of your life. 
And that's part of my education, Jordan. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation so that I believe what your life is like in spite of all that you bring, all that you're doing, all that you're contributing. That's something you have to deal with daily. And that is, I, I hate that. I'm sorry. I hate it. And I don't hate anything, but I hate that for you. I I appreciate that. That's, that's actually something I was speaking about too. I was like, I, I, I actually appreciate the language you're using because yeah. I, I would hope we get to a world where I think right now we would, a lot of us can say racism is wrong, but if we could get to a place where we're like disgusted with racism yeah. um, and just be like, ah, oh, that's just so disgusting. Like that's like, why like that frustration? Um, I think that just pushes us to another level. So unfortunately, Jordan and I got cut off when he was making another great point. But um, I think maybe we've 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 commiserated enough this time around. I think that I really want to receive any uh, resources that you have. I really feel committed to this project of helping to help people know and understand and ask about what they don't know so that we can all really start growing meaningfully together. Thanks to George Floyd and all that went before him, you know, all of them that went before him is just too horrible to think about. Um, Because there are just so many, so many layers of it. But, you know, I mean, although I have spent about the last four days looking at all of this, once you see the patterns, then you see that, oh, yeah. um, it really, it, once we all start paying attention, it really couldn't, wouldn't be able to go on that much longer if we all just really woke up and paid attention to what's going on instead of letting it go on in the background, which is what I am guilty of. And I'm not going to feel guilty, but, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. designed like that for us to be not yeah. aware of it. Very much so. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, create information that's meaningful, that people can act on, and uh, we'll all be the the beneficiaries, all of us. Yeah. Good. Very true. Good. And, and to that point, I think there's only one book I would recommend, not okay. to bombard people with resources, but I'd, White Fragility, uh, Why It's So Hard for White yeah. People to Talk About Racism yeah. is a great book. Yeah. It's a great starting point just to deconstruct some things and learn some things. Yeah. Um, if you want to go into criminal justice, the, watching 13th on Netflix is a phenomenal space to what, listen to. What's it called? Um, it's called th- 
13th. Mm. Um, and it's about the 13th Amendment and how it legalizes slavery and okay. prison. Okay. Um, and so it's a very interesting um, Netflix documentary um, that really highlights some of the continued injustices that we can see um, as well. So those are just two quick resources I'll recommend. Um, and, and most importantly, I think um, we were really designed to be in community. And so I think it's important as folks go on this journey to find like-minded people or people that can challenge you or push you or hold you accountable to go on this journey with. Um, and so making sure it's, it's hard to do alone. I think there might be some times where you might need to start alone, read a book alone, process some of your own experiences mm -hmm. and ways that you might've been complicit, silent, or unaware in some mm -hmm. moments and kind of do those things and then enter into dialogue with people and really figure out what ways do you want to shape your new narrative, your expanded identity, and you're increasing your empathy and care in a meaningful way. That's not just for these two weeks, um, mm -hmm. three weeks, mm -hmm. but really for a lifetime of serving and walk alongside of others as well. Exactly. Beautifully expressed. Beautifully expressed. Yeah. We, this has to be a paradigm shift. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate those resources. And if you ever, if you want to send more to me, um, then I will put those in the show's notes and uh, we will continue this conversation. And, and I want to include you in this, these other projects that I'm thinking of, and I want to be included in what you're doing. And um, yes, ma'am. Oh, deepest respect and appreciation for you. And um, I would just like to walk into all of those rooms with you and just dare people to not give you a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I feel sorry for them. But anyway, yeah. uh, onward. Um, thank yes, you. Anything else? Anything else you want to share? No, ma'am. That's, that's my pleasure. That's my pleasure. Okay. And I think, uh, yeah, that's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having always, me on again. Always. And I look forward to us talking again. Always, thank always. you for your soul. Thank you. And thank you for doing the work. Um, and I know it's not for me, I know it's for yourself, but I do, I, I think it's important just to acknowledge growth and owning that new identity as it's forming and everything. So thank you for doing the work, mm -hmm. for being a real ally and co-creator in this work, because uh, we need a lot more of you, Mimi, Mimi, to, to continue with this, yeah. um, to, to truly make an impact across the world, across difference and across all of us uh, in this together. Absolutely. I mean, I'm the winner. I, I yeah. get to know yeah. people like you that just absolutely so good let's all be winners together and stop thinking it has to be either or that's insane yes, okay yes, we stay in touch yes jordan yes jordan Will do. okay all my best all my best all right we'll talk soon thank you thank you bye bye, -bye. thank you for being here for this conversation i hope and trust that it has helped you somewhat. And I really hope that you will check out the resources that we're offering or find the own, your own resources that fit for your needs at this time for understanding and education. We must, must educate ourselves to help improve this situation for black people and for all of us and for the welfare of our country. 